you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming to you with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here. We certainly appreciate it. Go to youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, hit the bell notification button, and you can see all the wonderful things we're doing over there. Uh, you can also go to Goodreads, uh, slash Chris Voss, see all the books we're reading and reviewing over there. You can also go to our Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places on the interwebs so you can see everything we're doing there as well. Uh, today, we have an amazing author on the show. He's the author of four different books. We're going to get into all, all the cool stuff he has to offer. Uh, his name is Jim Flynn. He's retired from 35 years in the financial service industry. He lives with his wife and two horses on a 39-acre farm in Northwest Connecticut and has written four books in two genres. Uh, Number one, humor. Number two, financial thrillers. His most recent release is the humorous golf book, Hit Your Second Shot First. Welcome to the show, Jim. How are you? I'm great, Chris. Uh, you, th- thanks for all the energy. <laughs> there you go. That's what we, we, we do yep. the big energy. You know, yep. that sounds like my drinking days. Hit your second yeah. shot first. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty good advice in golf, too. So <laughs> That makes you a better golfer, usually, I found that. Yep. So give us your plug so people can find you on the interwebs. Well, let's keep it really simple. The best way to find me is my website, mm-hmm. jimflynn6six.com. And then you can link into Facebook from there. You can link into my books. That's the simplest way to find me. You can email me. There are some things we're going to mention tonight. People who are interested in writing a book uh, can email me, and I'll oh, wow. I'll help them as other people have helped me. Uh, I can't name – I would take too much time naming all the sources I've used. But I'll be glad to – if anybody's interested, I'll be glad to help them. So That's important. Yeah, you, a lot of people have helped me, and I'll get into that. And you also have some people you don't want helping you. So <laughs> I'll get into that, too. <laughs> you know, I just went through this journey writing my first book over the last seven months. I think it is six months, seven months now. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the uh, roller coaster ride of uh, – it was the hell ride from hell, basically. <laughs> it's so. not easy. People think it's easy. It's not easy. It and especially when you get into like the you know everyone's like yeah you just write stuff down and it's done and it's not that easy. <laughs> what kind of book was it? Uh, it was a nonfiction book, a business book, and so it was uh, my background uh, of business and stories and stuff. And you know I told these stories for a million years, so writing the first thirty five thousand words was like really easy. I'd been you know repeating them ad nauseum, but uh, boy the editing and then the book covering and artwork. And, the PR. <laughs> well, the PR is hard. I, I enjoy the artwork and, and book covering. I farm that out. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of, you feel kind of like the boss of this artistic project. It's fun. I, I like doing that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of fun, but it's kind of learning to do it the first time and self-publishing. Did you self-publish your books? 
Yes, but I also, one of my sons is also, um, has his own uh, computer gaming company. So oh, he's, wow. my, he's my consultant. So when I get stuck, I just <laughs> ask him to do it. So it's nice to have somebody who knows what they're doing. Note to self, adopt the no. son next time I publish a book. Oh, my, um, son might, my son might talk to you for a fee. Let me know. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, in fact, I used to, I, I, I never had kids. And so I used to tease my uh, brother who, uh, he, he, when we would game and gaming, like your son does, um, he would have his son, his 12-year-old son, do the raids for him, you know, and all that complex military stuff yeah, they do yeah. on those things. And I'm like, I would have had kids if I knew I could have had him do the hard parts of my video games. <laughs> like, yeah, I would have signed up for that. None of my kids want to come home because uh, they have to spend the first couple hours in IT, uh, <laughs> IT support. Yeah. I've been there. I've been there. The, the one thing you don't do is you, uh, you, you don't tell your, uh, <laughs> you don't tell your uh, family that you're in IT. They're like, Hey, yeah, yeah, we got this computer that doesn't work. And so anyway, so give us the titles of your four books and then uh, let's talk to them in the order that you want to chat about them. Okay. First book was called be sincere, even when you don't mean it. Mm. And it's, it's a, a fictional humorous, fictional memoir. That's how I got started writing. I'll get into that. Mm. And that evolved into people suggested you broaden your audience and write a story uh, mm. on more of a novel. And that led into my financial thrillers. I have two in that series it's the J.R. Johnson series. He's the protagonist uh -huh. in, in both books. Uh, the first one is called Losing Lola. Mm -hmm. The sequel is The Bitcoin Gambit. Mm -hmm. And the fourth book, which I just published, this little funny golf book, is called Hit Your Second Shot First. Uh -huh. What made you want to write your first book and get into being an author? Well, I always wanted to be a writer and while I was in the financial business, I was what used to be called a stockbroker. Mm -hmm. That's we they have to have more high fluting title now. So they're financial consultants. I liked being a stockbroker, but anyhow, I'm not doing that anymore. And while I was doing that, I was a contestant on Jeopardy. Oh wow! And to answer your question, I lost. Now I need you yeah. to say that in the form of a question. Yeah. No, what kidding. what is what does it feel like to be a loser, Alex? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it feels it feels bad is the answer. But I wrote an article um, about what it's like to be a Jeopardy contestant uh -huh. on the way home on the plane. Literally, oh wow! Literally on a napkin and an envelope, and it was eventually published as the cover story in the Hartford Current Sunday Magazine. Uh -huh. Hartford Current's the big newspaper in Connecticut. And in those days, they had enough money to have a Sunday magazine. Now the paper's about, you know, three by five, an index card. You know, well, newspapers aren't doing that great. Anyhow, it was a great experience. Um, I got fan mail. I got people called me up, said, you should be a writer. You're funny. We really like this article, Jeopardy, blah, blah. And I actually went around and gave talks about what it's like to be a Jeopardy contestant. It was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. So even though you lost, you, yep. you turned it into a win. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And, um, and so, but I, 
But I had a good job. I had three kids, a wife. They didn't want me to quit and go write and make no money. (laughs) (laughs) So so I kept working for a long time. And I had some medical issues. Mm. And to put it succinctly, I ended up having brain surgery. Oh, wow. And uh, there is no minor brain surgery. It's a pretty big deal. So when I was done with that, I really couldn't do the financial stuff anymore. Oh. Uh, now, fortunately, I'm old, and I, was, I could retire. So I retired and I decided, okay, now's the time to write a book. Mm-hmm. So that's when I wrote, uh, be sincere even when you don't mean it. And <laughs> y- you went to school and learned that a novel entails character development. You mm-hmm. take um, a relatively immature guy and he goes through all these struggles and adventures and at the end of the book he's a changed person become a man usually they get better sometimes in the godfather they get worse but there's some kind of they call it a character arc oh okay now i had just been to my 50th high school reunion and i noticed the same guys who are jerks when they're 18 are still jerks when they're 68. (laughs) So I said, most people don't change. So I'm going to write this book where the guy doesn't change. Ah. So he starts off as as a young kid. He ends up in his mid-40s. It's kind of a Walter Mitty story. Mm -hmm. And now this guy actually does all these things. Mm -hmm. He's, He's a baseball player at Stanford University who wanders into football ball practice ends up playing in the Rose Bowl gets drafted by the Oakland Raiders plays in the Super Bowl becomes an astronaut in the meantime he's an astrophysicist he plays in the Masters tournament he does the Hawaii Ironman wow and yeah <laughs> I got and it, it it's the book is funny yeah so is it kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of like Fight Club or other books that are like yeah, that? Or? Yeah, well, yes. It, it's This guy doesn't take himself too seriously, mm-hmm. but it describes – it does a pretty good job of describing what it's like to do all these things. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny. So when you're, on, when you're a self-published author on Amazon, you have to fit into a certain genre. Yeah. This book is hard to put into a genre. Well, even what the is cover is, is really yeah, unique. Yeah, the cover is unique. So it did pretty well. Awesome. Con- considering, it, is it a humor book? Is it a biography? What, what is it? So it was hard to advertise. It's hard to get people to see it. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, it did well enough that some people who I consider real serious authors like the book. Mm-hmm. And and contacted me out of the clear blue sky and said, "That is awesome." Yeah, that was that was the best part of the whole thing. Yeah, and they said you're a really good writer, and you're funny, and most even really good writers, a lot of them aren't good at humor. <laughs> so so you, you, but if you want to broaden your audience, you have to write a novel you have to write a story Mm -hmm. so that's that's what led me into um 
losing Lola and the J.R. Johnson series. And I decided, again, if I never sell another book, I'm not going to starve to death. I'm okay. I decided I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. So as opposed to writing a standalone novel, my favorite form of entertainment are long-form TV shows. Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, Dexter, yeah, um, sure. The Americans, Longmire, uh, Person of Interest. There's a great Norwegian series on Netflix called Occupied. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's no. actually in Norwegian with subtitles, and it's fantastic. Oh, really? Um, yeah, there's there's an old show, Midsummer Murders. Um, and my wife dragged me kicking and screaming into watching The Crown, which oh. I thought I'd hate. I yeah. love The Crown. I haven't but seen there's, that. It's, a, it's about Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. But if you are know any of those shows, every one of those shows does have character development, mm-hmm. but not like a novel because it's longer than that. That's what they call a long-form TV show. But also, each one of those shows, and some of, it, some of the humor, like in The Americans or Dexter, it's very dark, but it does have its funny moments. Yeah. So I thought that's a better form for me than writing just a novel. So I think of my books uh, as being each book is one season of, let's say, The Americans or oh, okay. or Dexter. So each book I think of as being six episodes of a long-form TV show. Okay. And I'm now writing. I'm now writing the third book which is the title is better than even, which is going to finish up the trilogy of those, of those three people. And what they're about is I, I think that sex money and power are all fruits from the same tree. (laughs) And since I spent my career in money, I see it through the lens of money Mm -hmm. and money means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, you know, they want to make enough to have beer money. Some people want to pay their bills for their kids. Other people, money is a different thing. They, mm-hmm. you know, people want to have a Jaguar and a mansion and all that stuff. But if you take the really rich people, mm-hmm. I notice they have something in common. There are people who really care about money as a thing in itself. Yeah. Not what I can buy. It's, it's how they keep score in life. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you take, let's say, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or uh, Mark Zuckerberg, all these guys have billions and billions of dollars. And people say, why do they need, why do they do it? They don't need any more money. They do it because that's the game they play. That's the sport they're in. And it's not like football. You don't have to retire. You know, Gates has given away a lot of money, but he still wants to make money. Yeah, everyone wants yeah. to be on that top uh, that top tier, the Forbes. Yeah. You know. So that's one of the themes I explore in the books. But I also, <clears throat> I I got to know you, know, you get to know you really get to know people when you when you have their money, mm-hmm. and people have this inner thing. This kind of they think there's a secret sauce. There's a secret thing that only they and a few other people will know. And the first book, Losing Lola, Mm -hmm. Lola, J.R. Johnson is a money manager. Lola is the world's most beautiful movie star. She's this big movie star. 
JR is afraid he's going to lose her account to this New York hotshot who he suspects is up to no good because this guy's numbers are too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's based on Bernie Madoff, whose numbers who just made up his numbers. Yeah, I was going to ask. He never that. lost any money. You can't <laughs> be in the money management business and never lose anybody any money yep. and have any returns. You have to take some risk and sometimes you're going to get burnt. Bernie Madoff never lost any money. Yeah. And so the, the, the bad guy in this book is based on him. The mm. character is different, but the, the way he operate is, is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's called a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Now Ponzi schemes are as old as the Hills. They're named after a guy in the 1920s. It was basically, hey, I'm going to get you in on this thing, and only a few people are in. And what a Ponzi scheme is, you you pay out earlier investors with money that comes out from later investors. You don't actually make any money. You just have to keep, you just have to keep the money pouring in. And a Ponzi scheme can never. It's like a perpetual motion machine. It can't work because it's the shark that has to get fed every day, and eventually. The, there isn't enough money to come in to pay out all these people. You're promising 20% returns and all this Ponzi schemes always blow up mm-hmm. yet. I, you know, Madoff was, I forget how many years ago, but I'm sure there's Ponzi schemes out there. Now there'll be other Ponzi schemes. I live in Connecticut in the nineties. There was a really big real estate Ponzi scheme where people went to prison and there are very influential people who invested in this. The, the great story I tell about it is when the guys went to court, it was a federal crime, it was fraud and all this stuff, federal crime. In Connecticut, there was only one judge who could hear the trial because the other three federal judges were all invested in this thing. So that's the kind of money these guys had. Wow. People, people, people fall for this thing. So even smart, sophisticated people fall for these schemes. They think there's something special out there for them. So mm. that was the theme of Lola. Now, I'm not going to write a um, textbook on or a history. That's not my thing. I want to write an entertaining story. So there's there's violence and crime and sex and all that stuff in the stories that goes along. But it does have – so you could just read it for the purposes – of entertainment, mm-hmm. but, you, but also there's that underlying theme. Hey, what's, what are people thinking about doing this? Right. That story ends. The next thing I explore is the bit is Bitcoin gambit. Mm-hmm. So JR's done with uh, the Ponzi scheme thing. He lives in Austin, Texas, and I chose that on purpose so he could be an outsider. Mm. And, and that's kind of the theme of all my books. An outsider is, somebody who can view something from the outside, not so caught up in it that he can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. So he's in Austin, Texas. Bitcoin is getting hot. He's kind of bored. He's running his money. He's conservative. He's running his money management business. He decides what's the worst that can happen (laughs) if I just dip my toe in a little Bitcoin investing. Well, guess what? (laughs) <laughs> you know, there's there's Russian guys, there's killers, there's you know there, there's there's a um, a thriller story involved in it. Mm-hmm. And my point isn't. Oh, people say, oh, you don't like Bitcoin. That's not my point. Yeah, it's a story. 
I'm not, well, I'm not telling people how to invest anymore. I do yeah. not give investment advice. What I'm saying is Bitcoin has the same, hey, I got the secret sauce. I'm going to just tap a few keys. I'm going to buy, buy this thing that doesn't even really exist. It's just on a computer somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be rich because I'm smart enough to buy this thing. By the way, Bitcoin, when it was 300, nobody wanted to buy it. When it was 50,000, they couldn't wait to get in. Yeah. So they're just, I did a lot of studying on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand it. I, have, I admit, I don't really understand. I mean, I know all the terms and all the jargon and stuff, but I guarantee you, I understand it better than 90% of the people who own it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really insane, all the people that buy it. And you're just like, do you, have you ever done yeah. investing? You know, and like, yeah, my you friends know said it, I should buy yeah. it. Yeah. It's, well, I'm buying it because it's going up. And there's yeah. something, called, something called FOMO, yeah. fear of missing out. Yeah. They don't want to miss the bus. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying to people is maybe you should understand. <laughs> you know, if you put in 200 bucks, big deal. But there are people who put in more than they can afford to lose buyer beware that's that's the theme of the bitcoin gambit and a lot of fun stuff happens during these books and there's some dark humor in it all of my books if you read whether it's the humorous books or the thrillers if you read the reviews every every review not every review every book somebody somebody said hey this book made me laugh out loud so even the financial thrillers are funny. And uh, when you start writing thrillers, the advice you get is don't make a thriller funny because people want, you know, this rock hard, tough guy, you know, with his AK 47 shooting people. That's not my style. And and as I said, I'm going to do what I like. So it goes back more to the form of the long form TV shows. than I don't know if you ever read Jack Reacher. Yeah, I didn't read him, but it's yeah, the, the movies. The movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of humor in Jack Reacher, like yeah. none, or or the Spencer for Hire. There's no humor. These are just tough guys. They're very successful books. I'm not criticizing them, but that's just not me. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to be the guy who writes Jack Reacher. I'm going to be me. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on the third. By the way, those books sold a lot more than my first book. Yeah. Um. Uh, because for one thing, I have strong female characters mm. and women. The first book more of a, is more of a guy book. Guy plays football, plays, you know, is an astronaut, more of a guy book. I would say the financial thrillers are more 50, 50 men. Oh, really? and women. Yeah. And if you want to sell uh, Kindles, mm. uh, you know, the, the e-reader on Amazon. Yeah. The average Kindle reader is a 38-year-old woman. Oh, really? Yeah. So you have to write something that women like. Yeah, that's um, important. To, to give you an example, my first book, I didn't know anything about marketing. You're talking about, you know, now you've written a book, you have to market it. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know you could publish a paperback book. I oh. thought you had to publish a Kindle. So, I, you know, I was proud of my book. People told me it was sure. good. I put it up there. First couple of days, didn't, didn't, not like it didn't sell a lot. It didn't sell any, zero. <laughs> it sold zero copies. Even my friends who told me they're going to buy it said, 
what's a Kindle? I, you know, they didn't, <laughs> can, can I just buy the book? So I, then I went back and found out, Hey, you can publish a paperback on Amazon and you don't have to pay them anything. Oh yeah. You know, there's an old model where people would self publish. They'd have mm-hmm. to buy a thousand books for 10 grand and be stuck. You know, there's old stories about, you know, they died and they opened the garage and there's a thousand books in the garage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, but Amazon has something called print on demand. Mm-hmm. So on a day where I sell five books, they actually print five books and send them out. Yeah. So, so I discovered that and, you know, and we had the fun of designing a cover and all of a sudden the book started to sell. That is awesome. So, so, but if you want to be, you actually make more money selling Kindles. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it from Amazon's perspective, they don't have to do anything. There's no printing, no buying. There's no printing. They they yeah. just they don't even hit the button. It's all automated. Yeah. The people in their Kindle just get the book. So so you want to do something that's successful in Kindle. And these second two books were much more successful in Kindle than the first one. I was gonna say you got a lot more reviews than a lot of friends that I have that wrote business books and they have big audiences. But I'll go look at their reviews and they'll have like four reviews. You're yeah. doing all way a lot better than than most of the friends I know who wrote business books. Well, the um that's because I sold more books. Yeah, yeah. But and more even, people read them. Even so, it's hard to get people to write reviews. Yeah. I, I mean I, I've gotten fan mail from people I don't know. I loved your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this character, Sierra Quinn. You should kill her off. She's so bad, you know. Uh, but so I've taken to, I will take their email and I'll copy the part where they talked about my book mm-hmm. and I cut and paste it and send it back to them and say, there's a review. There's a re- your review. You don't have to even write anything more. You just have to copy send this. this to Amazon. They still don't do it. People, I think people are shy about writing reviews. They think they have to write some big essay. Yeah, I think so too. I'm I'm in that I'm in that hunt and peck right now with the art crowd, yep. the advanced reader copy crowd, and uh, I'm like, look, you just just give it the stars you want. I try yep. not to, you know, be like you got to do five stars. But I'm like, give it the five, give it the stars you want. And just say great book or awesome, like it, you know. Just say I like the book, yeah. and I say yeah, you give it yeah, whatever stars you want. I, I like, like the, the book. I, or you could pick one part you liked. I like yeah. you know, I like you, know, you don't have to write War and Peace. Yeah, yeah. People are reluctant to do that, but <laughs> then then again, I think about myself now. I'll get back to my brain for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't believe this; they think I'm kidding. But one of the problems I had after my brain surgery is I have a hard time reading. Mm. If you say you're writing all these books, you can't read. I said, well, it's a different part of your brain. Yeah, I can I can write all day long. I have a hard time reading what I wrote. Oh wow! So I mostly listen to books. I mostly listen to audio books. And I think about I have to make myself because I know how important it is to somebody for reviews. Because as you may know, Amazon bases a lot of their algorithms on how many reviews you have and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I make myself write a review for the book. And and sometimes I just say, hey, it's a great book. I really enjoyed listening to it. Five stars. 
That's mm-hmm. all you have to do. So yeah. people listening who read my books, please, please just do that. Um, so anyhow, I'm writing, I'm done with my, I'm done with the Bitcoin gambit, which is, which has been the best seller. And I think I was smart when I named it mm-hmm. because people think people see Bitcoin to grabs their attention. Yeah. It's got the a, keyword. It's, it's got a great cover. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked with the artist on that. He did a great job. on It that is cover. a cool cover. It's really so, kind of got that whole sort of thriller mystical look to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, you know, I did do some learning about how to market a book. The first thing people search for on Amazon is the author. Oh. But they're not going to look for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not anybody they know. Mm-hmm. You know, if Stephen King or John Grisham or somebody <laughs> like that. They've, you know, he wrote a new book, Nelson DeMille. I'm going to go look for that. But after that, they look for the cover. Mm. So you have to have a cover that jumps out at people. It has to mm-hmm. be in your genre. You know, it can't be some sunny day, sunny day at the beach if it's a thriller. It has to be dark and sinister and all that, and which the Bitcoin gambit's perfect for that. So, yeah. so, so the cover helps sell your book. Anyhow, did well. It got wonderful reviews. And now I'm writing the third of the trilogy. And there's and J.R. Johnson starts off as a high school kid in the first book. He's now a man. He's going to have his character development. If he lives through this book, he's in pretty deep doo-doo with a lot of bad guys in this book. So it, something's going to happen at the end of this book. It's going to be the end of the trilogy. It may go on. I haven't decided what I'm going to do next. That's the nice thing about being your own boss. I'm going to write whatever book yeah. I want next. You don't have the publishing agency going, you yeah. got to do it this way. Yeah, yeah. or you got an advance yeah. and you yeah. better have to finish the book by Tuesday. Yeah. But, and I don't want to get all authory like I'm some big artist or something. But if you're writing, you know, you talked about writing a nonfiction book. I will tell you, a fiction book is harder. I imagine so, yeah. Because you have you to make it up. You made up a fictional world. Yeah, characters live in, and if you think about, um, there are a couple long form TV shows. One is uh, the Man in the High Castle. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a show on NBC last year about a spaceship that came to debris. And oh. both of the, both of those things do something. I and I said I don't want to sound like a big artist, but they violate lost is another example. Oh yeah. They, well. they set up a story world and then they violate the rules of the world <laughs> because they're just making up stuff as they go along. And so like lost that people who liked lost hated the ending of lost. Oh yeah. That was, that was controversial, man. There's yeah, because, still people angry about that. Yeah. Um, because they just had to make stuff up yeah. because they violated the rules as they went along. Mm-hmm. So now my book is more realistic, but it does, a a novel has a story world. It's not real life. Mm -hmm. You don't say, well, I went to CVS and bought some vitamins. You have to just talk about the interesting stuff. So it's not real life. When you have this female assassin who's going around shooting people, that's not kind of most people's normal Tuesday. That's Wednesdays around here, not Tuesdays. (laughs) So, straight i don't know it, it's a different experience for me you start to you have to live in that world a little bit mm-hmm. 
it's not like you lose touch with the reality, but sometimes you're sitting there watching TV with your wife saying, what's Sierra Quinn going to do next? You know, how's she going to get out of this mess that she's in? So you're kind of living in that world. And you're, and one of the things I have with my medical stuff is I shouldn't be under a lot of stress. Oh. I should avoid stress. It creates some problems for me. But you're writing so, a book? Yeah. Well, just think about that. You're putting yourself under stress. And, oh, that loosened, lost my mind. And in a novel or a story, for it to be interesting, the main character has to be in trouble mm-hmm. and escalating trouble. Think about every movie you ever saw, James Bond movie, Die Hard, or even a romantic comedy. There has to be more and more trouble until they resolve it at the end. Oh, boy. So you're living with this guy. He's got the Russians trying to kill him. He's got guys shooting him. It it created too much stress for me. Wow. And I had to back off. Mm -hmm. I had to just stop writing that book. Mm -hmm. And I took a month off, and I wrote the golf book. Because the golf book was 100 pages or 105 pages. It's funny. It, and it did really well. It was the number one golf humor book on Amazon for like a week, which oh, is wow. pretty good. Yeah, that is awesome. That's yeah, not bad. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny. It's, um, it's kind of snarky. <laughs> uh, but that's my sense of humor. And again, people said, hey, it made me laugh out loud. And even... Even so, it might even help me with my golf game, and that was kind of my um, kind of my ambition when I did it. So what it did is it kind of cleansed my mind, took the because that kind of writing is easy for me, mm-hmm. and I'm not. It's not like I'm living with some character and developing all these things. So I kind of cleansed my mind, and now I'm back to writing. The um, I'm I'm halfway through the second draft of Better Than Even. Um, one of the things now, remember I said, I'm going to tell you people to seek out and people not to seek out Mm -hmm. a lot of beginning writers seek out these writers groups. Mm. We're all going to get together and I'll read you my latest chapter. I would tell you, do not do that. Mm -hmm. Everybody tells you, you stink. People, (laughs) people just think about it. They trying to sabotage you. Is that what they're trying to do? Well, sabotage, they want them to be successful. Yeah, yeah. They don't want you to be successful. And that's just a normal human thing. Yeah. So it's just jealousy. Don't do that. You can develop. Sometimes you have to pay them. Some, I have a couple of beta. Did you use beta readers for your book? No. Meaning people who read it when it was like a readable draft. I had friends do that. Okay. That were willing to be critical. Yeah. I mean, you, can't, you don't want somebody who says, hey, this is the greatest thing I've ever read, and not tell you anything bad. Yeah, my friends are pretty mean, actually, too. <laughs> I, but I have two uh, different people who don't know each other who've done that. And, you know, I give them, I print it out. I go to Staples, have them printed out, double-spaced, and, and they mark it up and send it back to me. And so, but it, they're not competing with me. They're not in mm-hmm. some writer's group. They actually like doing this. They yeah. like that's a much different. So I would tell you, use beta readers. Don't go to a readers group. It's it's yeah, it's sabotage. <laughs> a little. My, my issue is I had some really good friends that were involved with me in my what I call my focus group. So I had about ten or twenty friends, but uh, what I found out early on was 
I was writing a business book and I really needed people who read business books continually and people that weren't really business book readers, they didn't really get it. They're like, what's a, what, you know, some of the terms that I use yeah, that are very yeah. business, uh, you know, uh, nominal terms, average terms that you hear in business. They were kind of like, what? And I'm like, well, this is, you know, this is what you talk about in business. And they're like, we read novels or something, you know, I don't know, Yeah. but, uh, they were really helpful, but, but yeah, I, I found early on that I've, I've got to go find whoever my audience is for this thing and have them pre-read the book. Yeah. Well, to, to finish on, uh, so anyhow, I'm back to, I'm back to writing um, better than even. That's and awesome. His, what he's exploring now is what's called fintech, financial tech. People are trusting their whole financial life to their phone. <laughs> and and I, without giving away the plot, there's some people after this guy, after J.R. Johnson. They're trying, they're trying to sabotage him. And just to give you a little taste of it, imagine – if you had somebody who was technologically very savvy, much more savvy than you, mm-hmm. who was trying to ruin your life financially. It sounds like my uh, seven prior wives. No, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Well, imagine. You, there were only okay, six. You go, <laughs> you, go, you go to the airport and your credit card doesn't work. Mm. That, that, that was the six wives, yeah. Or, yeah. or all of a sudden your stock market account has nothing in it. Yeah, that was the six months too. Yeah, <laughs> it had two million dollars the day before, and now it's closed and it it moved to Cyprus. Imagine what somebody who's who was really good could do. Yeah, it starts happening in this book. Yeah, the Cyprus was the and third wife. So yeah, it goes from there. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So let me get this straight because we're getting down to the. Uh, uh, up of our hour. Um, so the okay. first book in the series is is uh, which one? The first book in the financial series is Losing Lola. Okay, so that's the one people. That that's the other question I had for you. So are the books made so that even if you don't read them in the order of the series, can you still kind of pick up on what what had taken place and where you were in the whole? Yes, and thing. I did that intentionally, and that's one of the reasons I had other people read them. Mm-hmm. Here, read this book first mm-hmm. and see if it stands by itself. Does it? You understand what's going on without having read the first book. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot more people read the second book. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing, as you may know about Amazon, there's no gatekeeper. Anybody can publish a book on Amazon. It's pretty cool. So, you have to stand out somehow. And one mm-hmm. way of standing out is to write a series because people who read one book in your series will tend to read the other books in your series. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who read the Bitcoin Gambit first went back and read the other book. Oh. And it didn't, it, they, they understood it. Now, the third book, I'm doing the same thing, having somebody read it who hasn't read the other books. Mm-hmm. Does and and she said, hey, you know, I don't understand. And so it made me go back and do a little more explaining. Uh, and that's why it's really good to have somebody outside look at it with who's not living with it every day. Yeah, I, I learned that uh, in writing my book, how important that is to, number one, preserve your voice with the editors, but also, you know, have somebody look at it. Because you look at it just ad nauseum. I noticed you started writing these books, uh, what was it, January of 2020? Yep. 
Yeah. Was it the coronavirus that was uh, prompted you to? No, no. The first book, I actually took two years to write it. I just. Oh, OK. OK. Um, I'm, I'm a lot faster writer now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you get better with time, don't you? Well, you know, um, old business. You probably know this from your business studies. Um, and this isn't an exact equation, but they say when there's a new technology, when you double the production the costs come down by 10%. Mm-hmm. Or whether it's a light bulb or a semiconductor or whatever it is, an electric vehicle. So the cost, cont- remember when um, solar panels first came out? They said, oh, oh they're yeah. too expensive. Nobody will ever have them. Oh, but yeah. as they keep making them, the cost keeps coming down per kilowatt hour. The, the production techniques get better. Uh, I won't get into all the business stuff. Yeah. The same thing's true with writing. And you know, I'm not going to draw an equation for you. But as you double your output, you get to be a better writer and more yeah. productive writer, and you get to know what you're doing. There's no question about that. Yeah, I learned a lot in the edit process where they kicked my head in. <laughs> they said, uh, they're like, hey, you know, that's 60,000 words you wrote? Because it was in nonfiction, you yeah. came away with 50,000. And uh, I'm like, yeah, they're like, uh, well, we cut it down to like three pages. The rest of it's garbage. <laughs> so uh, can you rewrite all that, please? Yeah. It, it wasn't that bad, but it felt that way. And boy, you you really have to be able to take uh, you really have to take some criticism. So as we get out, anything more you want to plug out on the books? Uh, anything we haven't touched on that you think is important to tease out to readers? Yeah, uh, all the books now uh, uh, hit your second shot first. Just came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. On, they're all available on Audible as as um, uh, as audio books. Mm-hmm. I've got a great narrator's game. His name is Gary Williams. He's uh, professional narrator i i realized i couldn't do that yeah um, he's he's fantastic he he makes the experience better than just reading the book it's so i would if you're a if you're a listener go on audible and well go on my webpage and then you can click on any of the books and and it'll take you either to the audible or or to go by the paperback yeah there's a lot of work that goes in that audible program and stuff uh you have to do it perfectly or else oh yeah why well, I, I i i try to do my first book and then i listened to myself and i said this is so bad i wouldn't even listen to it it's forget about somebody paying for it so i realized and and i i know we're running short on time but the the audition process mm-hmm. and you know, people audition to for, to do a deal with you to read your book. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. So here's my message. Go to my website, jimflynn6.com. Even if you're just interested in writing a book, mm-hmm. email me. I'll give you some advice. You may want to buy one of my books when you're there. There you go. Buy, his, buy all of them. Yeah. Get them all. And, uh, yeah, that should be great. So we've got your plug-in. Give us the plug one more time. It's jimflynn.com? Six. Jimflynn6. Jim six. S-I-X. Okay. And uh, and uh, that should do it for us. Um, any parting words? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Thanks for thanks very much for having me. It was uh, great, and I hope we can do it again. There you go. Thank you. Well, we'll, we'll have you on for the, the next book so that we can get that announced. So do you know what the anticipated launch date is that yet? I'm trying to get it out for Christmas. Ah, there you go. Get that Christmas rush. Yep. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All and, right. Uh, well, and I will be on it. I'll, I'll, let's do it when the book comes out. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you'll have five books by then. 
So, yeah. but yeah, you're doing much better in your reviews than most of my business friends. And some of them, their first book was like a New York Times book, and they published like six or seven books that weren't New York Times books. And now they get like they sell like four books and and get uh, like maybe a, a review. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, you have to in this day and age. You got to keep promoting your books. You've got to advertise. You do special deals on Amazon because there's so much competition out there. You oh, got to yeah. you got to not just write them. You have to do some other stuff too. I think I heard there's 330,000 books that are published every month, largely independent. I don't know if that's I don't think, I don't think it's quite that much, but it, it's, a lot. it's a it's about 1,000 a day. Yeah. It's crazy, man. So <laughs> I think of what I went through and I'm like, other people really want to get the tortured method of well, this, but, but I'll tell you what, a lot of books sell one copy. That's true. Yeah. And, and if you want to have some fun, go to the books with like no reviews and you know how they have this thing where you can read a page. It's there's <laughs> yeah, it's, I won't say anything. It's just, you'll see some real interesting stuff. Out uh, there. Well, I'm hoping to sell at least two copies. Yeah. So <laughs> if I can just get to two, so I'm not a one. E- email email me. I'll, not a one-termer. I'm a, yeah. hopefully a two-termer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's been wonderful to have you on the show, Jim. Thank you very much for sharing your stuff. Sounds like some exciting stuff that's coming out of you, and you're doing really well in the space for uh, novels. I mean, I have uh, we we do two authors a day on the show, and uh, yeah, it's a struggling business sometimes for people, and you're doing really well. So keep up the good work, and thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. All right, guys. And my okay. audience, go to youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, hit the bell notification button. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. See what we're doing, uh, reading or reviewing over there. Go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all the different places the Chris Foss show is, and you can see more of what we're doing over there. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other, and we'll see you guys next time.